Welcome to Where's the Lamb Source, a podcast that gaslights you into believing Gordon Ramsay is the most entertaining person in existence with unrelenting, puerile descriptions of his body shape, facial creases, and linguistic habits to the point where you feel guilty for not realising this sooner in your life. Whatever that means. <laughs> I'm Tom Coker. I'm Sam Lee. That was actually one of the most descriptive ones yet. I actually have a clue what this podcast might be about, thanks to that. Good. Well, we're making progress. It's only taken us 18 weeks to uh, for the penny for that penny to drop. <laughs> so it's been a couple of weeks since um, we last we last recorded. It's been an eventful couple of weeks for us, hasn't it? Um, Comparatively, yeah. Well, yeah, com- everything's comparative these days, I suppose. Um, we've not been wasting time. I feel like we should briefly recap on a certain night out at our favourite pub a couple of weeks ago, mm. um, in which the pub was completely empty and we turned <laughs> it into our personal Where's the Lamb Sauce war room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we um, we really did, didn't we? We war-gamed the hell out of that pub. I mean, there was a glut of creativity um, involved yeah. and, and excitement, uh, some of which we shared on on our Instagram because no, there was nobody there to stop <laughs> us. Um, <laughs> um, others we forgot to write down, which is probably a good thing, I imagine. Um, but the Veg World Cup was a particular high low point. Yeah, I'm not sure if um, either the words creativity or excitement apply here because I'm not sure how creative it was. And having put the picture on Instagram, I think it's pretty clear that uh, the excitement didn't go any further than us two. But I thought it was a great uh, concept. The the idea of pitting vegetables against each other to figure out which is the true champion, which we still haven't publicly announced, have we? Have we not? <laughs> and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> how was it, how was it decided? I think we might have put it to the people, and they just didn't they just didn't react to it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we got a couple of votes in, and I think Aubergine was the winner. Oh yeah, and I think we predict they they were the favourites going in, weren't they? The most yeah, the most regal and versatile of fruits, fruits, yeah, vegetables. I mean, <laughs> but what's the Veg World Cup got to do with Gordon Ramsay? Um, absolutely nothing, other than we decided to put it on an Instagram feed that is otherwise dedicated to Gordon Ramsay. I feel like we're starting to live a little vicariously through our mm. channel feed it's basically become an excuse to post bad ideas and bad selfies yeah <laughs> all the all the <laughs> things i want to do on my personal profile um exactly but i'm trying to preserve some sort of credibility <laughs> i worry that's what it is i've had a bit of stick from my girlfriend because she says why why do you always end up taking selfies when you're out with dom and never when you're out with me uh- <laughs> Which I didn't really have a good response to. I think that's a very fair point. And while we're on the subject of our uh, boozy afternoon at the pub a couple of weeks ago, we can't not talk about Gordon Shamsey. We can't. We can't not talk about it. I mean, last week we raised the topic and we put the photo on our feed. <laughs> so that's an example yeah. of when our feed was used actually quite usefully and, rele- and relevantly. Mm. And the people unanimously agreed that it was Gordon Shamsey, which shouldn't be the least bit surprising at all. It's not. It's not. But no. I think we need to scratch a little deeper into the mindset of the restaurant that that's behind this. Yeah, it's such a weird one. So I don't know whether they've put the picture in the window knowing that it's not Gordon Ramsay, but thinking oh, this might draw in unwitting customers, or whether they have put the picture in the window thinking 
that it's the real Gordon Ramsay and that serves as some kind of, I don't know, some kind of cosign for their restaurant and will draw people in because of that. Either way, though, I'm, I'm not sure which is worse. It is, it is finely balanced, that one. Both of them are outrageous. I mean, I, I think trying to dupe tourist like gullible tourists with a government i think that's even worse because that's quite dishonest as well um <laughs> i guess you could argue that it's the tourists fault i mean they may be tourists but they're not absolute cretins necessarily are they <laughs> i was gonna say the two usually go hand in hand but not all the time if you get duped by that gordon shamsey you deserve everything you get and the plot thickens though doesn't it because not only is this gordon shamsey this um, is actually a guy who turned down a lucrative advertising opportunity um, when we approached him to do a promo video for Where's the Lamb Sauce, and he said no. He's the leading Gordon Ramsay lookalike. Yeah. And he said no to us. Yeah, during lockdown. I just, I mean... Well, what else is he doing? I know. I mean, what are, are people... Has he got? Is he in demand on Zoom or something? <laughs> It was a it was it was a real kick in uh, kick in the in the gut for us, wasn't it? That when that happened, we thought he would bite our hands off um, at the opportunity. You know, I mean, yeah. What Gordon Ramsay impersonator wouldn't want to impersonate Gordon Ramsay for a Gordon Ramsay podcast? Well, all I can say is he's not getting any of our support from here on. No, absolutely not. And I pledge to go and investigate this a little a little more the restaurant i mean yeah go in undercover with your iphone on record in your breast pocket or something and ask a few questions in the kitchen well what kind what kind of questions <laughs> well, i don't know like is that a picture of gordon ramsay in your window or are you aware that the picture of gordon ramsay in your window is a fake or something like that <laughs> see how they react you'd be a bit more kind of you know covert about it and say yeah, I've heard really good things about this place. I mean, look, it's endorsed by Gordon Ramsay. There's a picture of him in the window and, you know, see see what their reaction is like. I mean, <laughs> having been to some of those Vietnamese restaurants, their reaction is unanimously the same. It's um, it, it's usually quite rude and curt. So they probably, they probably won't entertain any sort of chit-chat like that. But, you know, I will try. No, you would be treated with utter disdain yeah, either way. I can't, I can't see... I've got to get too much, <laughs> too much information. But it's worth trying. <laughs> Yeah, you never know. You never know. You should do what Ramsay would do and go rummaging around the bins in the back of the oven and see what you can find. I would love to know what Gordon would make of this, actually. That a lookalike for him is being used as a marketing tool. I actually don't think he would mind because it all serves to further his name and his <laughs> reputation, doesn't it? Because to be fair to this restaurant, it's a really good restaurant. Um they're just employing some slightly shady tactics to draw people in. So I actually don't think he would be that bothered. I think as long as his face or a face that looks remotely <laughs> like his face is in as many places as possible, he's quite content. So he would actually welcome the unsolicited and yeah. unofficial use of a lookalike. Yeah, because it's it's going to further his brand without him having to even lift a finger. Yeah, exactly. That's true. That's true. Shall we talk about our inbox yes. of the last couple of weeks? Because um, it's all action there, isn't it? Yeah, it's been non-stop. We've had to um, reset the spam filter to stop so many of you getting in touch. One particularly interesting argument that has landed in the inbox is the dismal versus disgusting discussion. That's an old one. Yeah, it's been dug up 
um, by the podcast paleontologist Young Toro, <laughs> <laughs> um, who has picked up on what we've said previously, where we said dismal is a worse insult than disgusting. And obviously the reason we're focusing on these two is because Ramsey uses them both quite a lot. It's a more severe insult. That's what we were saying, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, Young Toro disagrees. And his reasoning is that he would probably feed his dog something dismal over something disgusting. I kind of get his logic, but I think dismal feels like a word that Gordon kind of owns a bit more. And it's saying more about the performance of the person who prepares it than the food itself, which I think is more personally savage, if you know what I mean. Would you rather be described as a dismal man or a disgusting man? And I know you've definitely been described as both. Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to say, do I get a choice out of these? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just writing your LinkedIn reference. (laughs) I think I've preferred being called disgusting. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think it's it's better to be divisive and remembered for something than, you know, no matter how bad, than dismal. At least you've got something going for you. (laughs) (laughs) No matter how unbecoming. Whereas if you're dismal, there's nothing there at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's not just young Toro who thought that. Henry, um, friend of the pod, Henry, also got in touch separately and agrees. So He joined the debate, did he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he um, jumped on the hashtag and he agrees. So maybe we're getting outnumbered. We'd, I'd be intrigued to hear what other listeners think because this is a really important debate. Talking of uh, young Toro, he's not just been pondering the major philosophical debates of our time, has he? He's also <laughs> been... Been soundtracking them soundtracking them yes he sent us a track that he made um apparently he made it seven years ago yeah and if that's true he must have been over the moon to finally find two people who (laughs) who might appreciate it because i can't imagine in the last seven years he would have found um people like us it's named hell's dubstep yeah so it's a, it's a, a track that belongs in the dubstep genre now i'm no critic Uh, I'm no no music critic, especially when it comes to dubstep, so I refrain from appraising it as such. Um, But it's definitely an acquired taste, isn't it? (laughs) That's one way of putting it. I think we should just play it. Shit. Fucking rotten. Shit. Fucking for shit. Shit. Fucking rotten. Shit. god that was absolutely astonishing that was intense (laughs) i i don't know where i don't know how to describe this i think it's i've got to praise the ingenuity of of bringing those two worlds together gordon ramsay and dubstep because they don't they don't belong together naturally do do they (laughs) 
No, they're not particularly natural bedfellows. And for good reason, I think. But thank you so much, young Taro, for sharing that with us. Because, um, yeah, I'd safely say it made my week. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I think we should use it as our theme music. One more thing quickly on Panic Gordon. Um, we've uh, scrawled down a logo for mm, it. We have. Uh, which was on our track and trace form in the pub last week. That is one thing we uh, we, we, we did uh, remember to actually record. We may create merchandise off the back of it. So look out for that. I think we probably will. Maybe some tea towels. That's a great idea. Tattoos. Well, let's let's put it this way. If enough people say they would buy a Where's the Lamb Sauce tea towel, we'll create them. <laughs> I don't think we've put enough to the people. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they've been propping up this uh, this pod for too long. <laughs> yeah, true. Let's true. give let's give them the week off. <laughs> give them a break. Yeah, well, if enough people do fancy it, let us know and we'll make that happen. Should we get into the epi- this week's episode in part two? Yeah, let's do that. We're going to be in Lampeter in Wales in part two. So we'll see you there. Welcome back to Where's the Lamb Sauce. Uh, this episode is, well, it's absolutely incredible. And it's incredible because of the of two legendary characters in the forms of Mike and Karen, the owners. Yeah, it's such an entertaining episode. And it's entirely because of these two almost anti-heroes in the whole story. Um, like you said, Mike and Karen, they're a married couple. They run the Fish and Anchor pub together. Um, and they bought it when Mike, who is an ex-boxer, won 700 grand. The main thing to note about these two is that they've been married, I think, 22 years. And they seem to absolutely hate each other's guts. There's absolutely no love lost between these two, is there? Yeah, I'm not sure what it's a worse advertisement for. The restaurant or marriage. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's enough to put you off anything, isn't it? I'd love to know what happens when the cameras are off and before and after this kind of this episode happened. Like what what their what their what their relationship is actually like on a kind of day to day basis because the, <laughs> the rows they have are uh, are just out, absolutely outrageous. Well, we we learn about what their relationship has been like prior to Gordon arriving because I think they've both got cautions or they've been arrested for public disorder while they've been rowing. Oh yeah. Apparently, yeah, apparently their rows are legendary, according to the local people, which probably explains why one of them, when Gordon um, doorsteps them around the uh, around the town, calls the owner a tosser, <laughs> which which makes sense. Yeah, they're definitely not known for their um, mild nature, are they? No, and and they, they they amusingly they're sort of both very short and dumpy with sort of identically sort of shaped limbs. So when they're sort of walking next to each other, it's sort of, they're sort of like two umpalumpas. I mean, Ra- Ramsey pulls out quite a few troll and Shrek references, doesn't he? And they're so accurate. <laughs> That's exactly what they look like. Anyway, so they run the fish and anchor, which as Ramsey's driving in in his big Audi through the Welsh country streets, listening to a uh, Teach Yourself Welsh CD and seemingly enjoying uh, shouting one word, which is Cunter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not entirely sure what that means, and I don't think he is either. Um, I'd be intrigued to know. And he's driving over the brow of a hill and sees the fishing anchor, which is a great big blue pub in the middle of nowhere. 
and he goes, oh my god, you can't miss that one, can you? Unfortunately, the Germans did. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, suggesting that the pub deserved to be bombed during the Second World War is probably a little bit harsh, but it is quite garish, isn't it? It is quite garish, but such a, like a rubbish joke from a British person, isn't it? <laughs> just like, just uh, shoehorn the Germans bombing in there at any, uh, at any possible opportunity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But when, um, when Gordon meets Mike for the first time, he says to him, I didn't realise you were so short. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, why? When, what? <laughs> Over the phone, did he get the impression this guy was, uh, was going to be a, a bit taller? <laughs> yeah, was he using a particularly small font on his emails? I'm not sure where he got this impression from that he was going to be a tall guy. Well, it's just an immediate display of, of alpha maleism, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. I mean, this is Ramsey in full alpha male mode. He obviously knows Mike is an ex-boxer, and I think Mike is half Italian as well. His family is from Naples, so chances are this guy is pretty tough. And so Ramsey goes in in full domineer mode, doesn't he? And it works. Yeah. It works. He's completely subservient to Gordon from here on. Yeah, he even allows him to continually criticise his wife, although actually I think Mike's quite pleased about that. <laughs> yeah he loves it um we won't talk too much about the food because um i think we can really summarize what the problems are in a nutshell and that is uh mike rather than sort of think about his menu as uh you know a menu for a restaurant which needs to have some kind of production logic to it he's just sort of cherry-picked recipes from different books so you've got all sorts of random random dishes from uh, Jamie Oliver's cookbooks, Gordon Ramsay's cookbooks. They're all on the menu and Gordon spots one of his own. One of the highlights that he tries is a uh, a chicken korma that when it arrives at his table, he says it looks like it's something out of a pig's trough. And (laughs) then he fishes out what looks like, I don't know, a big piece of spinach or something. He describes it as like Welsh snot. Is that a particularly different type of snot to other nationalities? (laughs) He does make it sound worse, to be fair, by saying that. Sorry, Welsh people. (laughs) I have no reason for that, but it does just sound worse. (laughs) It's just the way he says it. He could make anything sound worse than it actually is just by kind of sneering as he's saying it with that curled lip. Oh, yeah. And we learn that Mike has been writing his own reviews (laughs) (laughs) Uh, with a few minor flaws, uh, such as uh, using his own name, Writing outrageously inflated reviews, comparing his restaurant to Claridge's and um, and so <laughs> forth. The location of the writer being in Afghanistan, yeah. bizarrely, and then submitting the reviews with the same name on on multiple websites. Ah, <laughs> oh, incredible. Yeah, the guy's not exactly um, an undercover genius, is he? I do love the scene, though, where Gordon outs him and him and Karen are doing their best to look innocent and their face as they realise they've been rumbled is just so funny. And they just avoid eye eye contact at all costs, don't they? Yeah, as Ramsey's pointed out the last one, he's like, that's from someone in Afghanistan. And Karen goes like, oh, that must be David's friend. (laughs) <laughs> they haven't got their story straight here have they i think it's just a pathetic attempt at a cover-up but to be fair mike just sort of fess up quite quickly I, I do i do think as far as mike goes he seems quite prepared to change in this episode you know he he's not a chef he's very much an amateur he, he's, he's he's very much out of his depth but i think he does seem quite grateful for gordon's expertise and his help i mean they, those two don't really clash do they no, those two seem to get along like a house on fire, actually. Gordon likes his um, 
passion and the fact that he's willing to listen. Um, I think the only time Mike uh, proves himself to be anything other than totally realistic is at the beginning of the episode where he says that he wants a Michelin star. And he says, they put a man on the moon, so getting a Michelin star doesn't seem like too much, does it? And you're like, Mike, come on. Pipe dreams are good, though. Got to keep the dream alive. Maybe. Well, he's got a lot of work to do. And that is something Gordon learns in great depth when he witnesses the trial service Mm. uh, for the first time. So Gordon's gathered some customers um, together just see how Mike deals with the service and how Karen deals with the uh, the front of house side of things and we figure out pretty quickly why this place is going down the shit pan. Mike's out of his depth and on his own in the kitchen and Karen has well all the welcoming charm of a docker looking for a fight after about 10 pints. I mean <laughs> she's the worst host I think I've ever seen. <laughs> she's absolutely unbelievable isn't she and it's such a match made in hell because Mike's in the kitchen slowly working through these dishes at breakneck pace yeah. <laughs> not being able to get anything out and so Karen's getting shit from the customers and she just has such a short fuse doesn't she like the second anybody criticizes her she will just snap i mean she's literally yelling at customers to get out of the restaurant and you're thinking you know this is ridiculous ramsay spent all this time rounding up the locals to try to get them in and then mike and karen spend the rest of the evening <laughs> doing everything in their power to get rid of them again it's crazy yeah there's a it's a slew of uh, people that get kicked out from the restaurant i've never seen anything like it and, and neither is no. gordon and something else i've never seen is a customer literally break into the kitchen um, in order to have a pop at the the people working behind that. I've never seen that before. That's that's bad enough. But the uh, this particular customer is um is a, is a unique species. Oh my god! What does this guy look like? He's he he looks like a disgraced snooker player. Well, <laughs> I spent a long time trying to figure out exactly. He, this guy looks like so many things. I just couldn't figure out exactly what it is he looks like. Disgrace snooker player is a very good one. I think you also said he looked like a bride, like a cheap bride may look alike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this guy looks like a dirty magician. I mean, this is not a great collection of things, is it? <laughs> no. And he comes in and has a go at uh, Karen but, and gives her both barrels. Excuse me, we've been waiting here since eight o'clock. I'm going home. I couldn't give a shit about your crappy bloody pub. It's an absolute load of shite. We've got a 70-year-old bloody woman with us and, and you haven't given us a, a bloody shit. And that's for you. <laughs> and as for you. And then just walks out. <laughs> yeah, and Gordon is completely speechless. I mean, we've seen this a few times. Yeah. And he just says, fuck me. <laughs> and uh, But you can blame him. I mean, the guy's, the guy's monologue doesn't really make much sense to be fair i reckon this guy is the mid-morning radio host on lampeter fm or something (laughs) like this and he thinks he's a bit of a local big shot and so he's come in seeing the tv cameras thinks this is my moment to transition from radio which is a dying format to tv (laughs) and it's trying to take it (laughs) this is his moment and he seized it but when he says, I'm just uh, just drilling down into his rant a bit more, if I may. Please. Um, he says, I've been waiting here since 8pm. I'm going home. I couldn't give a shit about your crappy pub. It's an absolute load of shite. We've got a 70-year-old woman with us and you haven't given us a bloody shite. And as for you... Um, <laughs> you haven't what, given but, us but, a bloody shite. 
what's a what's a seventy year old woman got to do with it? I mean, from looking at a bloke, that could only be about ten to fifteen years older than him. His younger sister. <laughs> just, I don't get. I don't, I don't get his point there. Um, there's do, they, a... do they deserve special treatment because there's a seventy year old woman in there? Because we have to rewrite. A lot of things, if that's the case. They've only just qualified for a bus pass, haven't they? <laughs> Karen's got an interesting turn of phrase to respond, though, hasn't she? She says, I've had a tipful tonight. Oh, yeah. This gets used a couple of times, actually. Mike uses it again later. I've never heard anybody use this phrase. Maybe it's just these two. I, I was going to say, Mike makes a regional term, but I actually think it's just these two create their own sort of like pigeon Welsh English hybrid. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what does it mean? I've had a tipful. Like, I've had it up to here. I, I think so. I think it just means um, you've taken a lot of shit. Which, to be fair, she has, but it's all self-induced. That's true. And she gets called a couple of other <laughs> things, doesn't she? Which she regales later on. Yes, yeah, not a great night for Karen. I feel as sick as a dog because I've been threatened. I've been called an old tart. I've been called a scrubber. Um, I mean, if being if the kitchen being breached by a dirty magician um, <laughs> isn't bad enough, she's also being called an old tart and a scrubber. <laughs> and I, I actually had to look up what a scrubber was. And the Urban Dictionary tells me it's probably of British origin, used a derogatory term to describe scullery maids or <laughs> other low-ranking women in domestic service. These were often young women viewed by high-ranking people as licentious and dirty, particularly their hands. <laughs> I mean, it's not good, is it? No. So, um, to be fair, if anything can be described as having a tipful, it's uh, it's that. <laughs> when you get described as an old tart as a, or a scrubber one night, I'm sure you'll be uh, descri- I'm sure you'll be saying you've had a tipful. That will be the only response. Yeah. So, um, two customers kicked out. Well, that's all we've seen anyway. Um, Karen's been called an old tart, and the pair of them have had a tipful. Uh, not a great service. And so Gordon's got his work cut out, uh, doesn't he always? And that's just part two. Welcome back to part three. Gordon wants to bring Mike back to his roots because he thinks he's um, a lot of the problems stem from him trying to be someone who he's not. And Mike having sort of Italian heritage, that's a, you know, it's a fairly obvious place to start, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And so Gordon goes around to his house and has a look at some old photographs of Mike's grandparents who are all from Naples mm. and seems totally intrigued by these old photos of old Italians, doesn't he? Yeah. It's like he's never seen a black and white photograph before. He says, wow, there's quite a historic Italian tree there. And it's like, well, what, what does that mean? It means he's got grandparents. That's all it means. And they were from Italy and you already knew that. So I don't know why you're so surprised. <laughs> but, you know, that's Gordon's big moment, isn't it? Yeah. This is his light bulb moment. True. They've got to make it obvious that this is the pivotal point, mm. haven't they? And given that he now knows that Mike has Italian grandparents, what does he do? He takes him to pick tomatoes. <laughs> um, where he, he goes and meets a local tomato grower and picks some tomatoes and that seems to be the end of those tomatoes we never see them again well no that's not true they do cook them in a sauce don't they later on oh do they yes those tomatoes get made into um, spaghetti meatballs which is a rustic easy to prepare solution and uh, you know he seems to know what he's talking about Mike when he's uh, when he lists off the ingredients that should be in a good meatball and Gordon describes him as quite a passionate little fucker <laughs> yeah he seems to be in his element a little bit more at this point doesn't he because he's in his comfort zone it's a recipe that his grandmother taught him apparently and so bringing this together feels like a sensible evolution for the pub 
And then it's on to redoing the menu and instilling some Italian heritage and good, honest Italian flavours in there. Uh, starting with the meatballs and spaghetti, which look absolutely awful, I've got to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if they look any worse than... That shit fucking tikka masala balti korma crap fucking shit. <laughs> so uh, maybe it's an upgrade starting from a very, very low bar. True. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Gordon invites the local rugby club to try that out for like a lunch service, I think. And they all seem to lap it up. Uh, and, and enjoy it. Um, but what follows is a dinner service, which starts in the worst possible way when Gordon finds Karen smoking outside, which in Gordon's words is a um, is indicative of her poor standards. Yeah, this is not good for Karen, is it? Because Gordon had already mm. picked up on her problematic attitude. And so he was already watching her like a hawk. And then she goes out for a cigarette break uh, two minutes into service and from then on there's only one way this is going to end exactly gordon just keeps pushing her buttons from there on and he should have already known that it doesn't take much to make her blow a fuse <laughs> but he tries his best anyway <laughs> yeah he does he goes on a full gaslighting offensive as he tends to do oh it's brilliant and just pushes and pushes and pushes and to be fair to Karen like her fuse just trying so hard yeah trying so hard seems to have elongated slightly because she's really trying hard to not snap Gordon just keeps on digging and digging and prodding and prodding and then yeah all hell breaks loose as she forgets a bit of venison um on a single order and Gordon just completely loses his rag at her and starts with the question, why did you forget the venison? <laughs> Which I think is a little bit unfair, to be honest. This this is another gaslighting tactic from Gordon. We've seen this before, where just like in the last episode, when he asked a chef, what do you do in the kitchen? What is a, a simple question, if you pick away the layers, is actually incredibly provocative. It is. And condescending in all the right ways. And he's made a mistake here, feel like a premeditated attack on him. Yeah, totally. How are you supposed to answer that question? Even by dignifying it with an answer, you've lost the argument. <laughs> and the only other option is to either walk away or get angry, and then you've lost the argument too. And she gets very, very, very angry, <laughs> that's for sure. She does all three of those she, things, yeah, yeah. doesn't she? <laughs> she ends up sort of, um, as a, a lot of what Gordon's victims are in this situation, she chooses a flurry of hand movements over words to express her, her, her frustration. Don't start shouting. I'm not shouting. You'll run off you... in a minute and start no, smoking. I, no, I won't, but you're always in there. You're always you just willing concentrate? To, give, to give bloody... So it's my fault now. It's not just, I've just told you it's my I've just told them it's we my fault. We look stupid. And then um, eventually, um, Gordon tells her to fuck off, <laughs> um, which um, is, doesn't go down particularly well either. No, I think that's what really pushes her buttons because one of the guys that she kicked out of the restaurant earlier said fuck to her and it wasn't directed at her but she still totally lost the plot as a result of somebody swearing while speaking to her double standards here gordon obviously has clocked that earlier and has got that fuck off in his back pocket just as karen is on a knife edge he tells her to fuck off. He just couldn't help himself, could he? He spent the entire episode telling her to calm down. I feel a bit bad for Karen in this instance because she's out of her depth here. She's dealing with a mastermind and she's trying her best to not lose her rag. I think for both her sake, but also for Mike's sake. 
but there's just nothing she can do. She's helpless. Gordon is, he's the puppet master here. <laughs> she does, yeah, true. There are times I feel like she doesn't exactly help herself. And he says to her, there are a million mistakes happen in every restaurant, every night of the week in the UK, but the problem is one mistake and you lose the plot, my dear. <laughs> this is a really good lesson from Gordon. You can't control everything, so just focus on what you can control and how you react to that. He gives her a little bit of training later on, doesn't he, as well, on how to be a better front of house person, which is um, just a little bit patronising. It is, but she needs it. Uh, yeah, she, she she does. Yeah, she does. Um, he says that coming face to face with her is like coming face to face with an uptight Welsh dragon. And he basically spends uh, about half an hour teaching her to smile when she greets customers. <laughs> But then he goes and lays on the charm a bit and, you know, he's saying, you've got a lovely smile, we need to see it more in the restaurant. And he does, after all of this gaslighting and all of these episodes between the two of them, he does start to show his warmer, compassionate side and starts to make her feel better about herself so that she'll be on the money when the relaunch happens. So he is good at this carrot and stick thing. Mm. Yeah, it starts yielding results. Yeah. So... Gordon has Gordon's trained Karen on how to on how to smile. Essentially, <laughs> he's got he's found Mike's inner passion, and he's designed a streamlined, rustic Italian menu, um, along with drafting in a new sous chef to help Mike out around the kitchen. The menu has got the idiot-proof seal of approval from Gordon, and is also a corny PR stunt to help launch it, yeah. which involves a tractor, a tray full of meatballs, and Gordon with a megaphone. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be an episode of Kitchen Nightmares without some kind of tenuous PR stunt. I really don't know why he's driving Karen and the rest of the team round the streets of Lampeter on the back of a tractor. Um, Why does it need to be a tractor? I've got no idea. It must have been the only novelty vehicle that was available at short notice. (laughs) And also, nobody in in the real world has ever been lured in by someone shouting with a megaphone. So I don't know how this works so prolifically all the time. <laughs> yeah. this, is the only, this is Gordon's only only tactic when it comes to PR stunts. He's got a 100% success rate with it. Yeah. He's a wizard with the megaphone. Shall we try it to um, publicise Where's the Lamb Sauce and see what happens? <laughs> yeah, I think we should. I think we should. <laughs> should do branded megaphones. <laughs> <laughs> the relaunch is a bit of a mess, actually, because... Um, one of the waitresses slips over during service in the kitchen, hurts her back, has a seizure, and uh, the relaunch is aborted and brought to an abrupt ending. And at that point, Gordon sort of leaves. Slips out the back door before the ambulance comes, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, the injury lawyers, yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we don't really know what the fate of the restaurant is at that point. We discover that when Gordon returns sometime later. Yeah, and it all seems to be going quite well, doesn't it? Fortunately, the waitress is okay. She's back at work, uh, perhaps less fortunately for her. And Mike is doing a pretty good job. He is. Yeah, he's doing a very good job. He's now got. Uh, he's now wearing his chef whites, which don't look like fit him very well, to be fair. Um, are they the ones Gordon gave him? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's before the relaunch, actually. Gordon's handed those to him. And he looks like he doesn't really know how to fasten them. <laughs> yeah, this is another power play by Gordon, isn't it? Giving Mike Chef White that he knows he's not going to be able to fasten yeah. and are about two sizes too big. Yeah, I noticed they were long sleeve Chef Whites. Is, is only Gordon allowed to yeah. wear sh- short sleeve sh- Chef Whites? Is that like a custom made modification? that he's got access to. <laughs> yeah, you've got to keep those forearms on display. True. And that watch, whatever it is, it's followed him around for the last <laughs> six seasons. 
But no, I'm pleased for Mike and Karen that things seem to have um, turned around and they tell they yeah. give us an insight into the financials and their uh, I think they're turning a profit now or they're breaking even or it, but it's a lot it's a lot health it's a lot healthier shape than it was before. And I think that is a genuine success case in the sense that Mike was willing to learn and I think Karen, despite her initial problems, uh, he got through to her in the end mm. um, and they seem to have really applied themselves. Well, I'm going to say that this shows that any restaurant can be turned around as long as the people in charge are willing to change because on the face of it, at the start of this one, you just said there's absolutely no way this is going to end in anything other than abject failure. But because Mike was willing to implement Gordon's changes and wasn't precious about the name or the colour scheme or anything like that. It all worked quite well. Yeah, exactly. Even with the ridiculous uh, relationship between him and Karen, the whole thing was overall a success story, I think. Yeah, it turns out they didn't need a personality transplant yeah. in order for this to work, which <laughs> I thought they might do. So yeah, as they came on leaps and bounds. Do you want to tell me when this closed then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about eighteen months later. Ah, oh, they they just if they just held out for a bit longer, um, they would have passed the two the two year threshold for success. That's such a shame. I think we still class this as a success story because I think this has gone from being an absolute no hoper into at least a semi profitable business. Mm, yeah, yeah, I, I I would agree with you on that. 18, 18 months is a is a good. A good amount of time for them to survive. They probably would have been closed in a, in a, in, you know, in a couple of months had it not been for Gordon. So, yeah, yeah. And last I heard, Mike was looking to move back to Italy. Really? Or move to Italy for the first time? I don't know if he's ever lived there. Insult of the week. There's only one, isn't there? There is only one. But can we give an honourable mention to a runner-up? Go on. Ah, that was you grunting like a troll. Looking for your fucking spanner. (laughs) (laughs) A troll looking for its spanner. I think we should just unpack that a little bit. Do trolls have spanners? (laughs) Like, is there like a troglodyte mechanic society (laughs) or something that we're not aware of? I've, um... I've never heard of it. That's a a worthy runner-up, I think. Yeah. Uh, Sam, give us this week's hands-down winner for Insult of the Week. It's during a service that's going particularly badly and Karen is running around all over the place, not doing very much and shouting at customers as she is wont to do. Ramsey says to her, You can't run around like fucking Shrek in a frock and then expect us to pick up the pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is one of the all-time great Ramsey insults. It is. It's one that I've uh, that I've never I've never forgotten from the very first times I ever, uh, the very first time I ever watched this episode. Because again, he he just has this knack of really hitting the nail on the head, spotting an Achilles heel and going for it. She does look like Shrek in a frock. It's exactly what she looks like. Yeah. Uh, so credit for Gordon for uh, spotting that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, credit maybe not quite the right word, but um, it's a very entertaining line, and it's our insult of the week. Yeah, in the Hall of Fame, um, that may well be at the very top. Yeah. Do you want to hear where we are next week? Yes, please. We are in Nottingham at a place called the Curry Lounge. This sounds good. Yeah, I was hoping uh, we might have some first-hand intel on this place. My brother actually lived in Nottingham 
for a few years and uh, he's partial to a curry um, himself, but he never went there, unfortunately. So um, all we've got to go on is, uh, is the episode at hand. Okay, well, I look forward to getting stuck into that one. Yeah, absolutely. In the meantime, we are on Instagram as always. So follow us there for uh, shameworthy selfies and pictures of sunsets. Uh, that's at Pod. Please get in touch with us on there as well. If you've got anything to say, feel free to tell your friends all about this as well, because goodness knows we need the numbers. Looking forward to next time when we'll see you all in Nottingham. Until then, don't have nightmares. Shit. Fucking rotten. Shit. Fucking for shit. Shit. Fucking rotten. Shit. Put them in the fucking bin. They're playing wrong with the